chapter 4 of Ruth. We're going to kind of go through the conclusion of it today. Some of this stuff on our handout you've already had. And so I'm just going to kind of repeat it again. And so we see on page one at the top, we have four chapters in the book of Ruth. And I broke, it, I broke this book down just by chapters. And I really broke it down according to how Ruth saw it. So according to the story, according to Ruth. But as, as you've seen in the story, we've kind of bounced all around. I mean, because Boaz is in this story. you got Naomi in this story. But, you know, the, the key character is really Ruth. So that's why I did that. Chapter 1 I put was Ruth's resolve. Now the reason I put that down there I have all these R words. Now that's the way you're supposed to do it when you're preaching or teaching. you got to have everything rhyme. But there's got to be a reason why you have it rhyme. And have you ever noticed Pastor Brian does that? He has, he has an outline and everything kind of flows together. I don't know how he does that or an acronym or something like that. But I put Ruth's resolve. And what resolve means is, is to resolve the matter. Okay, It means to analyze it, to come to a conclusion. So, Ruth's resolve was she was in a predicament and she came to a conclusion about what she should do. Okay? She resolved the problem. Okay? So, that was in chapter 1. Remember the predicament that Ruth and Naomi both found themselves in? They're in the land of Moab. Their husbands have died. There's not a breadwinner in the family. I mean, it was that that hee-haw song, you know, gloom and despair for them. And so they came to the conclusion, Naomi's like, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem, to the house of bread, because there's food there. Wasn't quite the right reason to go back home, but Ruth had the right reason to go to Israel, or Bethlehem, because she wanted to know who God was more. And to know who God was, she had to go to Israel, especially if Naomi left. So Ruth's resolve was to resolve the matter they were in, and come to a conclusion. Chapter 2 is Ruth's response. That's when she took action upon that resolve. Okay? So, in chapter 2, they, they start to make the trek back home. Now, I said Ruth, but we know it was Naomi that decided to go home. But Ruth went with her. And that was a big deal because Ruth left her home. She left her fam, extended family. She left her customs, her, her speech, everything she knew. She left to go back. Okay, that, that was the action she needed because they'd come to the conclusion. And then chapter 3 was Ruth's request. What did she do in chapter 3 that Ruth requested something? What did she request? She requested Boaz to redeem her. That was the request. Now, what is a request? It's a desire asked of someone. It's a petition. She went to this man and and asked a petition of him. And then in chapter 4, we see Ruth's reward. Okay? She got a reward from her from her service. And 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 the Bible uses the word reward as base as as partly as wages. Okay, so a lot of times when it talks about getting a reward, it's your wages for doing something. But it's not quite that way because you know what are, the wages of sin is what? Death. It's death. That's not really being 
a reward in our mindset. It's a consequence of the sin. So the reward here is more than just wages. You know, she just, Ruth didn't go back to, to Bethlehem, to Israel, just for a reward. That wasn't what she went back for. She didn't go back just for a gift. She didn't know she was going to get one, did she? No, she didn't. What she went, A reward is something that I put down as something that's worth achieving. She saw something that was worth achieving. Okay, That was the reward. What was her reward to go back? The only thing I saw that she got out of going back was, number one, helping... Naomi, but that really wasn't a reward, but it was knowing the Lord. Everything goes back to knowing the Lord. You'll see people and commentators in the book of Ruth talk about her. You know, she just went there to take care of Naomi. She loved Naomi. Uh, Not quite there. She loved the Lord. And because Naomi was her ticket to know the Lord... They fit together. So, in chapter 4, we see Ruth's reward. And, of course, in the story, for Ruth, it was a love relationship. That's the reward she got. She got a relationship, a love relationship with God. She got a love relationship with Boaz. She already had a love relationship with Naomi, but yet she gets married to Boaz and she has a son. So now she has a love relationship with her son and everything fits together because the Lord rewarded her by giving her the love, people to love in her life. Okay. So the key verse is chapter 2 and verse 12. So let's go ahead and turn there, and I'm going to read that. So I have a little introduction about where we're going. We don't have a whole lot in the book of Ruth that we have left to study, just a few verses. But in chapter 2 and verse 12, this is the key verse for the whole chapter. And when you get up here and you teach the class, you can come up with your key verse, but I'll tell you why. It's, I think it's the key verse. The Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of who? Of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. If you want to wrap this whole book up, this is the verse that says it. The Lord recompense thy work, Ruth, and a full reward be given thee of, not me, but of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Because Boaz realized that this lady was a godly woman. She was a virtuous woman. In fact, he calls her that in chapter 3. So the word here, the key word, or the key verse, I'm sorry, is chapter 2 and verse 12. And the word trust in this verse, it says, whom thou art come to trust. The word trust in this verse is used in the sense to take refuge in. That goes in your blank. When she trusted in the Lord, she took refuge in Him. Okay? So, the theme of the chapter, or theme of the book, I'm sorry, is the... And I've said this before. I want to see if you're paying attention. The theme is the blank man. What goes in that blank? The godly. You could say godly, but I'm going to say faithful. The theme is the faithful man redeems... The virtuous woman. If you want a title for this for this book, that's another. That's a good title for it. The faithful man, which is who? 
Boaz. Boaz, which is a picture of who? God. Christ. Okay, God. The theme is the faithful man redeems the virtuous woman. I mean, this is a love story. This is as good as it gets. Okay? There, there is a love story in the book between two people. Who, who are those two people? They go in your blank. Boaz and Ruth. Okay. That's what I'm looking for. Okay? But, next line, it says we can see several love stories shown or implied in this book. We see God the Father and Naomi. He has a love for her, but remember they went wayward, they went into Moab. And remember Naomi came back and she was bitter because of how God had entreated her, but when she got back in the land, back to uh, you know serving the Lord, then we find that that relationship gets kindled again. And now, not only does God the Father have a relationship with Naomi, which he always had, but it went wayward, but when Naomi comes back, she gets it back with God. So there's a, there's a love relationship between God the Father and Naomi, and between Naomi and God. How about Boaz and Naomi? There's one there, even though it's his mother-in-law, there is a love relationship there. How about Ruth and God? Yes, that's in the book. How about Ruth and Naomi? That's a love relationship. How about God the Father and Israel? Did we see that in the book? Because... Naomi's Jewish. She's a picture of Israel. Uh, And so God, the Father, and Israel have a love relationship that we see. And we also see a relationship between Christ and the church in this book. Because the church is a Gentile. And the Gentile is marrying a Jewish man. All through the Bible we see that. That's a love story. When God saved us... That's a love story. For God so loved, just put your name there in John 3.16. For God so loved Bob that he gave his only begotten son. That's a love story. We see all those stories come out in the book. It says here on our next blank, our next uh, sentence, both Ruth and Naomi get redeemed by who? Boaz who is a type of Christ. And again, I'm kind of going over all this for you because I hope this resonates and gets in your mind because God put this book in here for a reason and it's for us to know it. And this is this is a love story in the Bible. I mean, we need to know it. Okay, so I have a question. Mm-hmm. Here, um, I'm spelling here first. Um, when you're talking about this, like in this... In this statement right here, um, you put Ruth first. Now, I'm, Naomi started it all, right? Okay, you could put either one down. I, okay, I just wonder because the, the book is about Ruth and the things she went through. And I it started with Naomi, so I'm just wondering if there was a, a reason why... Ruth comes first. Um, I don't know if there's a, a reason why Ruth comes first or why I put Ruth first okay. because he, when we studied out the story, both Ruth and Naomi get redeemed. Mm-hmm. One's Jewish, one's Gentile. Right. The um, in our story, 
I don't know if if Boaz in our story would have redeemed Naomi if Ruth hadn't been there. Okay. And because he, he he was a rich man, he was a farmer, and Naomi's older, she couldn't provide an heir for him, so it's like he didn't need the land, so why would he go through all that? What remember what Boaz wanted the most? He wanted the virtuous woman. That's what he was looking for. So in this story, it's a, it's a Jewish book and it's a Gentile book, but it really comes down to a book that God put in here because God wants us to know something. And the name of the book in the Bible is Ruth, not Naomi. Right. Right. And he put this in here because God wants us to know that there is going to be a Gentile bride for his son. His son is going to redeem a Gentile bride. And that's what this book is all about. Because the reason God put this in here again, I'll say it again, is because it has to do with his son. If this book didn't have anything to do with Christ, it wouldn't be in the book. Every book we have in our Bible has something to do pointing to Christ. It's like God does everything to point the world to His Son. He does everything besides putting neon arrows down, pointing. You know, when He died on the cross, He did all this stuff. Everything that's been done and in our book is to point to Jesus Christ because He loves His Son and He is making a kingdom. Everything in this book. And in this book, it's the story of Ruth. He didn't just pick this out because it was a love story. He picked it out because it's a love story that pictures the church and his son. So, I don't know if I killed you on your question. Okay, so where are we at? So, both Ruth and Naomi get redeemed by Boaz, who is a picture of Christ. So, God's trying to show us something in this in this story here. So, Ruth has one characteristic that sets her apart. That characteristic is what? Faith. Faith. Okay, faith. Okay, turn over in your Bible. Hold on to to Ruth and turn over to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Hebrews chapter 11 is God's hall of faith. I call it my hall of fame because right here we have these people in it that I just love them. If you have a bad day going on in your day... Read chapter 11 of of Hebrews and it will pick you up. Because just when you think you've had it bad, look at the people in this chapter that have had it. And they didn't have it good, but guess what? They got a reward at the end of it. So Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder, of them that diligently seek Him. Now when we serve the Lord and we we come to Him, we come to Him because we know we're going to be rewarded in some way, somehow. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, how are we rewarded? We get eternal life. I mean, that's a reward. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Would, would you accept Christ as your Savior if you didn't get eternal life? Probably never thought of it that way. But when I, when I was 10 years old and my Sunday school teacher came over and told me the gospel, I didn't want to go to hell. Mm-hmm. At 10 years old, I'm like, okay, the, what's set before me is, is heaven and hell. Which one do I want? I'm going to accept Jesus that he died for my sins. He loved me and he paid for the price for my sins. I'm going to choose him. And as a result of that, I get to go to heaven. So we are rewarded for our choices. Okay? And so 
when you come to God, you got to realize that He is who He is, like it says here. I didn't come to God when I was 10 years old and, and just pray to God and go, well, I hope that did it. I really did. I don't think I did. I truly believed that there is a God that sent His Son who died for my sins. I believe that, and I still believe that today. Some people believe that. Some people, like, like in India, well, that's... Oh, it's it's another God. No, it's not another God. It's the only God. You're not going to get anything from God unless you actually believe who He is. You're not going to get it. God's not... The Holy Spirit is not going to reveal anything other than that His Son died on the cross and was buried and died and rose again. Outside of that, you're not going to get anything out of this book because the Holy Spirit won't give it to you because you've got to do that one thing first. Okay? So faith. Ruth had one characteristic characteristic that set her apart. It was her faith. Okay? Now, I got a homework assignment for all you, you overachievers in here. I really can't tell the difference between faith and trust in the Bible. I think they're like this. Now maybe you can tell me the difference. Maybe I just haven't studied it out. But here we talk about faith in, in the key chapter or the key verse was two twelve. It said Boaz told her that she in whose wings she had come to trust. It didn't use faith. It used to it used trust there. So I think those go hand in hand. Okay? So I've said all that. To get up to where we are now. Now we're going to start our lesson today. I'm worse than Brian, aren't I? He just... <laughs> okay. Ruth chapter 4. And let's start out in verse 13. We'll back up just a little bit. So Boaz, he took Ruth and she was his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee of this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life, and a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. And Naomi took the child, and laid it in her bosom, and became nurse unto it. And the women, And the woman... Her neighbors gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now these are the generations of Pharaohs. Pharaohs begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Amenadab, and Amenadab begot Nation, and Nation begot Salmon, and Salmon begot begat Boaz, and Boaz begat Obed, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David. So we see here that Obed is the grandfather of David. Okay? Why is Ruth in this book? It has something to do with God's son. God's son is connected with David. That's why it's all in the book here. Okay? So Here's what we read here. We read the end of the chapter. So here we have a son born to Boaz and Ruth, being nurtured by Naomi, who again is a type of Israel. Israel goes in your blank. Okay? So, Israel goes in your blank. Obed means, the name means, I think it's on the bottom of your sheet, the name means serving or servant. Okay? 
What a, what a perfect name, servant. Okay? I kind of like serving a little better because he is a man who is serving. Now, you can go a couple different ways with that, but with his mama and daddy, I'm thinking he's probably serving the Lord. That's what I'm seeing here. But Obed means serving or a servant. Remember the man Obed-Edom in the Bible? Anybody remember him? I'll give you a hint. The Ark of the Covenant was carried to his house because they had it on a cart and that wasn't the way God wanted them to. And then, uh, what was the guy? And one of the men that was driving the cart put his hand on the ark and it, and it, and it killed him. the cart because it was going to fall. Yes. And uh, Uzzah, I believe was that man's name. Well, anyway, they were afraid. They didn't. David was afraid of, of the ark. He was afraid of God at that time, thinking, oh my gosh, why, why are you killing people that's trying to bring your ark in? So they took it over and they put it in this guy's house named Obed-Edom. Obed-Edom, the name means servant of Edom. Now, he wasn't a, 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 you know, a, a different nationality. Obed-Edom was a Levite. But his name meant servant of Edom. Okay? So, Obed means servant. Okay? So, on the next page, on top of page number two, it says, You will find the genealogy of Obed in Ruth. You'll find it in First Chronicles chapter two, one through fifteen. You'll find it in Matthew one one through six, and you'll find it in Luke three twenty three through thirty eight. Do you think God is concerned about the genealogy of Obed? Four times in the Bible, but see, it's connected with His Son, so that's why it's in there. And so, when we're in Matthew one through six. God has given us the genealogy of Jesus Christ, but in that genealogy, we're going to see David, and we're also going to see Obed, okay? And so, you have you have Boaz, you have Obed, you have Ruth, all in King David's bloodline, but also, since that, they're also in the Lord Jesus Christ's bloodline. Our Pastor Brian likes to call this the Messiah Highway. Have you ever heard him say that? The people that's in... Uh, Christ's bloodline. Well, Obed is in that Messiah Highway. He's one of those people. Okay, so I think I'm um, I'm going to skip over those genealogies. You can go back and look at those, but you'll find Obed's name mentioned in every one of those places. He's a key person in Christ's genealogy. So, and then I'm going to skip over. To, I'm going to move over to Ruth. Now, remember last week I said I'm going to have to go back and redo something on Ruth. So, Ruth, what did I say the name meant a few weeks ago? It's beautiful with one L or two. Okay. I said her name means beautiful. Okay? But one of my um, advisors, critics... um, Yeah, my wife... Came to me and she goes, where did you get that, that her name is beautiful? Because I don't have that. And I'm like, darn. (laughs) I know. Here I am trying to just make, sensationalize this story like all the news people do. And I can't get away with it. So we're going to look at something here. So I said the name Ruth means beautiful, but we're going to look at what 
all the books say, all the concordances and dictionaries. So Ruth is actually a contraction of several words. Okay, So Ruth, you have it in your handout there, the first bullet point, Ruth, R-E-U-T-H, means something to see or something to look at. That's the name R-E-U-T-H. That's an old English word. Okay, And then the next word you see is Ru, R-E-U. Now, Ru in the Bible means friend. Okay? And then Ruel, R-E-U-L, means friend of God. It's a little bit more. It has that L on the end of it. That E-L, or no, it's just an L here. That means friend of God. So that goes in your blank. Okay? So we put these all together. We have the R-E-U-T-H is something to see, something to look at. Now, when you describe a woman, you know, if, if, I, if I tell one of the guys, I tell Mark, hey, we have a new visitor, a, a woman visitor today, and she's something to look at. What does that mean to you? I mean, it can mean a couple things. Number one, what, what could it mean? Just you give. I'm gonna get you in trouble, not just myself. Well, I was just gonna say you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You're looking at her. I, I know, but if I said, "Hey, there, there's this lady that came in, and she's something to look at," what, what do you think that expression would mean? Okay, I'm putting him on the spot. I'm sorry. It means she's. A, it might be she's an attractive looking lady, yes. or it could be she's just a total mess. I mean, you should look at this lady. I mean, right? Yeah, she's. She looks like she just got out of bed. I mean, it could look at. A, but mostly, if I said, "Hey, this person," my first thought was, "You were thinking, man, she's hot. Yeah, she's beautiful." That's when you said she's something to look at. That was my fleshly. I'm I'm glad you said that. I mean, I just I would say she was. You need to look at this lady because she's an attractive lady. Okay, right? I would say that you wouldn't if she was a mess. You wouldn't really say anything about her. You wouldn't want to look at her. So my point in all this, when the word says that that it's something to see or something to look at. You probably think it's something that's attractive, right? Okay. I don't know how you say it too. I mean, you say, "Boy, she's something to look at." You know, or then you come in and say, "Boy, she's something." To look I mean, at. it could have been Cruella Deville. I mean, I mean, you don't know, you know. But it, there's, but most likely, it's somebody that's pleasing to the eyes. Okay. So you put R E U T H as something pleasing to the eyes. Connect that with rude, which means friend. Connect that with rule, which means friend of God. And then what you hear, it, what you have here is we see that Ruth was a beautiful friend. That's what I wrote down. Okay. So I was wrong. I only had the first part right at the beginning when I told you beautiful. It it's, it's connects them both together. It's a beautiful friend. Now, a beautiful friend doesn't necessarily have to be on the outside. Right. Okay? I mean, a beautiful friend, you know, you know beauty's only skin deep. A beautiful friend probably goes all the way to the bone, right? I mean, that's how it works. But we see that Ruth was a beautiful friend. See, I was, I was half right. I was half right. I really was. So, turn over to Proverbs 17, 17. So, we're going to look at friend for a minute. Proverbs 17, 17. 
How many of you need a few more friends? Okay. I mean, we all need more friends, right? Uh, good friends, let's put it that way. Uh, Proverbs 17.17 17 says, see if I'm in the right spot, a friend loveth at all times. That's something. That's something there. And a brother is born for adversity. Wow. Okay. You may not always love your brother. But if you have a true friend, that true friend, you, you should love him or he, he will love you or she will love you. A friend loveth at all times. Okay. Then turn over to chapter 18. Well, I think you're right on the same page. Chapter 18 and verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Okay. Now I know some people and they are not friendly at all. They're just not friendly. And guess what? They probably don't have a lot of friends. But you know the person that has, hey, how are you doing? And you know, you know, what happened to that problem you had or, or something or you know, you were sick the other week. I mean, somebody who takes interest in you and and it's and really does, I mean just not for show, that cares about you. Um that's a friend. That's a good thing. Verse 22 says, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth and obtain favor with the Lord. I don't know why I threw that out there, but a wife is a friend too. Uh, my wife and I went to church once. I think it was my grandmother's church and the pastor introduced us as, as uh, my, introduced me as my grandmother's grandson and my, and my friend. And then later I'm like, that's actually my wife. He goes, well, she's your friend, right? And I go, yeah, she is. So, uh, uh, friends are important. We need to have friends. And Ruth was that. Now, I want you to turn over to John chapter 11 and verse 11. Because I don't see a lot of friends in the New Testament, outside of the Gospels. You just don't see the word friend. All through Pauline's epistles, you just don't see the word friend, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's it's you know it wasn't there, but it's not written down there. Okay, but in John chapter eleven, I love this verse eleven. Jesus is talking, and he says John eleven eleven. He says these things said he, and after he said and he let me go back and read this right. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them. Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. That's Jesus talking to his disciples about their friend Lazarus who had died. And what I like about that is, is Jesus called him his friend. Okay? A friend is something very important to have. And yet, in the book of Ruth, we see that she is the perfect example of what a friend should be. Well, okay. We're moving right along. Ruth was faithful. She was loyal. She was obedient. She was a hard worker. She was kind. She was unselfish. Anybody else have a characteristic to put in there? And you can see each one of these in the book. Faithful, loyal, obedient, a hard worker, kind, unselfish. What else? Was she honest? As far as I can tell. You know, she was... Well, I know she was honest because she told 
Naomi that she would go back with her. Did she? Somebody else told Naomi they would go back also, but they did not. Who was that? That other girl, remember? Orpah. 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 You know what? Somebody said Oprah. That's where they get that name from. You wasn't in here when, when I mentioned that. The, the name Oprah comes from this word. Orpah. The other girl that, that went back home to her idols. Not the, not the name I'd probably name my daughter. And not only that, they can't spell it. But they can't spell anything. So let's keep moving. Uh, that's awful. That's terrible. I'm going to get. I'm going to get that. Get back for that. But anyway, Ruth was the person that you needed to. You need to be. Okay. All right. So, Sonia just came. Wow. Good to see you. Thank you, sir. Let's see if I got another handout. I'm fine, sir. You're fine. Pass that one back to her. I think that's chapter four. So we're kind of wrapping up. Kind of wrapping up uh, the book here. Maybe we'll get you a few. We're on the second page. So she is she is the person that you want to have for a friend. Somebody like, like Ruth. And then it says, The book of Esther today is read by the Jewish people during the Feast of Purim. Now again, there's two books in the Bible that that are basically based on women. One of them is Ruth and the other one is what? Esther. Esther. Two books. Okay, Esther is read today by the Jewish people, the scroll or book, however they have it, is, is read during their Feast of Purim. Now, Feast of Purim is the, the feast that they had when, when Esther uh, uh, and the Lord used Esther to defeat mean Haman back in the book of Esther, and the, the Jewish people celebrated... Because they're a lot like the Baptists. they they got to have a dinner and a big celebration. When when Haman was defeated at the end, and, and, and uh, what, was, what was her uh, uncle's name? Mordecai? Is he a cousin? Okay, so he's a cousin. And he was raised up, and so the Jews were raised up in the land of Persia at that time. Well, there was a feast as a result of all that happening, which is called Purim. The Jews today still celebrate that feast. Okay? And during the Feast of Purim, the book of Esther is read. Okay, So I said that to say this, that the next line says, The book of Ruth is read today by the Jewish people during the Feast of... Anybody know this one? <laughs> she, she's disqualified. Pentecost. The Feast of Pentecost. Okay. Now, let me see if I can tie it together why it is. The Feast of Pentecost celebrates the second of the first fruit offerings unto the Lord. Now, we, now I'm, I'm, i got to go back and explain that. In the book of Ruth... They get there at the beginning of barley harvest and they go through barley harvest and Ruth goes out and gleans during barley harvest. Okay, There is about a seven week period between that and the wheat harvest. Then she kept going through the wheat, she, she kept going and gleaning all the way through wheat harvest. But the first fruits is a feast 
and that is for the barley. The second of the first fruits, which is Pentecost, is to celebrate 50 days after that, which they're celebrating the first fruits of the wheat harvest. So today, when the wheat harvest is going on in the nation of Israel, just like back then, they celebrated the Feast of Pentecost, and they still celebrate it today, and they read the book of Ruth during that festival because the book of Ruth takes place during that time period, during the wheat harvest. Okay. Now, for a Christian, that seems weird because... We celebrate Pentecost as when? 50 days after Christ died. 50 days after the death, burial, and resurrection. And so, to a Bible-believing Christian, the day of Pentecost is when the church is empowered with the Holy Spirit. And so, interesting how the church is tied in to this same feast. You see, there's a connection here. And the Jews just could not get it in the Old Testament. It was all about the Jews and the Gentiles were dogs. But all through the Bible, God has Jew and Gentile coming to Him. Okay? So, in the book of Ruth, the Jewish people today still read it during their wheat harvest. We read it during the day that the church is empowered. Because why? The church was redeemed by Christ. It all fits together, both Jewish and Gentile. Isn't that wild? Isn't it, isn't it interesting how they intermix? Okay. Just like over and over in the Old Testament, God always used a Jewish man to marry a Gentile woman to give us a picture of what he's going to do. His son is going to marry the church, which is Gentile. And all these marriages in the Old Testament are a picture of what's going to come. Okay? And they were for the Jews to get in their head. Oh! The Messiah is going to marry a Gentile bride. But see, they are way out of that. They have no idea that's taking place. And yet it's all through their Bible. Okay? I have a question. Go back to the Feast of Purim. Mm-hmm. I looked it up so I could finish writing out my... But it says Purim, which literally means lots, and is sometimes known as the Feast of Lots. Is that even close? Because when it says lots to me, I'm thinking that they cast lots at Jesus' feet on the cross. I'd have to go back and look. Okay. Anybody have an idea? I, I'm not sure what the lots mean there. I'd have to go back and study that. It says, what does Purim mean in the Bible? And so I was... So Purim means lots. That's what it says here. It has to do with that final battle with with the Jewish being... Um, because, see, we got to remember the king of Persia had already set the decree out that you could... Anybody who wanted to fight against the Jews on a certain day could go and fight against them and take whatever they had. Well, he couldn't take that back. So what they did was they armed the Jews and told the Jews, hey, if anybody comes after you... You can kill them and take their stuff. And so it has something to do with that. um, Sometimes known as the Feast of Lots is the Jewish holiday in which Jews 
commemorate being saved from persecution. Okay. Ancient Persian. Right. Right. It's it's the day that the Jews were saved from whoever wanted to take vengeance on them okay. that Haman wanted to do. So, again, we've got two feasts. They're both read today among the Jews. In fact, one of them, the Feast of Purim, I looked it up. It was in March the 16th of this year. So it takes place around March. Um, I also looked up Pentecost this year for the Jewish person, and it was May the 16th, which is interesting. Those two feasts are only two months apart. Okay. Now, do they read the book of Ruth at the barley harvest too? No, just during the second of the first fruits. Yeah, during Pentecost. So again, we a Christian sees the 50 days as 50 days after Christ rose from the dead. A Jewish person will look at the day of Pentecost as 50 days after the beginning of the first fruits of the barley. And so there's seven weeks that's in that and so seven weeks would be uh, 49 days if I get that right so the 50th day was a celebration so uh, the day of Pentecost for a Jewish person is celebrating the wheat harvest for a Christian is basically celebrating Christ's resurrection and so forth so there are seven prominent marriages that picture our marriage to Christ in the Old Testament Okay, I'm going to list them out for you. Remember I said I'm not, list, I'm not leaving anything back. I'm going to give you everything I know and then everything I can figure out. So here, and I don't, you know, and I'll just tell you, a lot of the stuff I give you, I glean from every, every place I can because I'm not this smart, okay? So, and my wife will tell you that. First one is Adam and Eve. They are a picture of Christ in the church. Then you've got Isaac and Rebecca. That goes in your line. Rebecca goes in your blank. Remember, uh, Abram had his servant, Eliezer, go to a different land, back to the land of Canaan with his camels, and he went there to get a wife for Isaac, and Rebecca pops up. That's another. She's a Gentile. Okay? Then the next one on our list is Joseph and Azenith. Okay? Joseph and Azenith. Remember, Joseph's in Egypt, and he takes the the wife of Pharaoh's daughter. He took Pharaoh's daughter, or was it a priest, to be his wife? Maybe it was a priest, priestess to be his wife, Asenath. She's a Gentile. Then you have the next line is, who who marries Zipporah? Anybody tell me? It's a man. No. It's Zipporah. Right, yeah, that, that that's close, but not quite. Old Testament, big name, Moses. So Moses and Zipporah, he marries a lady who's a Gentile. You got Boaz and Ruth. You got David. This was a tough one for me. David and Abigail. Abigail. But I, I would say David and Bathsheba would not be far off. But I think Abigail would have to go back and look at her. She must be a Gentile. That's the key. I just realized that. Because the bloodline goes through Bathsheba, but the picture is David and Abigail because she pictures the church. Okay? I say this, but I don't know. I don't know Abigail. What'd you say? And Bathsheba was not... She was always called the wife of Uriah. 
Okay. There's a old, there's a man in the Old Testament by the name of Nabal. He was a mean man, and he and he treat and his people treated David wrong. And Abigail, Abigail was his wife, and so well, she was his wife too. But I guess after after the Lord killed David, she became David's wife. Okay, and then Solomon and the Shulamite. All of those picture Christ marrying a Gentile or the church. Okay. So Ruth got her name in God's book. And this story is important to God because it's all connected to His Son. Okay? That's just why it's in the book. Do you want to know why Ruth is in the book? Why is Ruth in the book and not Orpah? Because Ruth obeyed the Lord. She got her name in the book. Why? Because she was faithful and she was true to the Lord. On the middle of that page, I didn't catch. Ruth gets in the bloodline the genealogy of Christ by. Oh, I probably didn't put that out. Let's see if I can get to it. Um, it's in the middle. Yes. So I'll let you guys answer that. What do you think goes in the blank? Ruth gets in the bloodline and the genealogy of Christ by how? Boaz. Mary Boaz. No, 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 no. I'm way off. You're way off. Okay. You're, you're, you're way off, but you're not way off. Okay. <laughs> Her faith. Her faith. Her faith. Okay. Remember the key verse? In whose wings thou hast come to trust. Okay. That's what got Ruth in the book. Now, yes, you can you can basically come out and say you were right, Diana, because she did marry Boaz, and because Boaz is in the bloodline, now she's in. That's true, but she had never got to that point if she hadn't had the faith that she had, specifically because she was not Jewish. Okay. Okay, and that's like we don't get in Christ's bloodline of being saved. Unless we have faith that that's the truth. We trust Him. We trust God. What He sent Jesus Christ to do for us. You know, so it's by faith. It's by faith. You know, Christ redeemed us just like Boaz redeemed Ruth. But yet she had to have faith. Remember, what did she do to Boaz? She petitioned him. She had to come to him and say, hey, redeeming. In other words, what she was going to Boaz to do was... Will you marry me? That's pretty bold. Mm-hmm. And we have to go to God we, and say, Christ, will you take so, so let me ask you another question. We'll wrap up here. Who was it that loved who first in this story with Boaz and Ruth? That may be a trick question, but I just want to see what your my guys are thinking. Boaz. What Boaz did. Boaz had already heard about Ruth. When he asked who that woman was, they told him, and it was it was love at first sight for Boaz. She didn't know whose field she was in. She, I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't first love for her, but if Boaz is a picture of Christ, who loved us first? Christ. Christ did. And so I, I would imagine that Boaz was just walking along, waiting on God, obeying Him, looking for a virtuous woman, and God brought one to his door. Amazing. You know, kind of like our missionary, uh, Doug, Doug Pearson. 
not married, on the field, obeying the Lord, and all of a sudden this woman comes to to uh, to one of the mission trips, and for some reason they meet, and it's like, I think love at first sight for Doug. I don't know about her. I'll have to ask him next time. They, I think he's going to be here uh, next couple of weeks. Maybe I'm wrong. But we can ask him all that. Just flat ask him. We'll just say, uh, put him on the spot. How, how is your marriage like Boaz and Ruth? And we'll see. We'll see what he says. So let's, let's if you don't have any more questions, we'll wrap up and get, get into the main service. But this has been a good uh, lesson for me. I love this book. Of course, which book I don't love. Uh, so next week we'll probably do either The Faithful Man or The Virtuous Woman. And then we'll get on a book here pretty quick. So let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for the love story that you have in the book of Ruth for us. And Lord, I thank you for all the the pictures and the types and and everything that's in that book that that is uh, information for us, the church, of how Boaz is a type of you and how Boaz loved Ruth. And yet we know that you love us. And we also know that we have chosen you back. And so, Lord, I just thank you for that. I thank you for the love story in the Bible here. But I thank you for the love story that's in the hearts of all the people that are here this morning. And I pray that we would focus on that when, when everything is, is, is good or bad. Help us to focus on the love, relation, love relationship we have with you. So we, I want to pray for that. I pray that you to help us just to realize that every breath we take. And Lord, we just thank you that, that uh, you're so good to us. And in Christ Jesus' name I pray. Amen.